Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lafondra looking to get side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello. Welcome to the Elm Park Rules podcast supported by Blue Collar Street Food. Uh, big up Blue Collar Street Food this weekend. They've had the Street Food Awards and was down there last night. 12 different street food stalls. Really, really good selection. It's on for the rest of this weekend uh, until the 16th of April. I would definitely recommend getting down there. Joining me today to discuss a very positive, upbeat nil-nil was Eric. Eric, how are you doing? Yeah, hey Alex. Um, yeah, feeling feeling positive. Um, definitely jealous of the blue collar street food. Uh, it's been a while, um, so jealous of that. But yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, positive feelings, etc., it's the best sort of nil-nil we could have wished for, right? So yeah, feeling good. And then on the other side, we've also got Callum from uh, Red in Between the Lines. Definitely worth checking their podcast out if you haven't. They've done two really good podcasts in the last week about Paul Ince being sacked and Noel Hunt coming in. So check those out if you haven't already. Callum, how are you doing this morning? Good, thanks. Cheers, Alex. Yeah, we, the classic thing where we recorded on Monday night. I had phone notifications on in case Paul Ince got sacked. He was not sacked until about an hour after we finished recording. Um, but I'm happy to, to have done our, done our part for the cause provided the podcast curse to get rid of the horrible blight on our club that was Paul Ince. And it's and I'm happy now we've got a manager who's better than Pep, better than Klopp, apparently, because he's done something with these bunch of injured players. Yeah, the uh the the management of Noel Hunt has already proven to be uh worthy of winning a Premier League, I think, with the uh sterling nil nil performance against Burnley yesterday. And as you say, Callum We've actually managed to do something. We've kept a clean sheet. First time in 20 games, nil-nil against Burnley. Uh, let's, let's get into yesterday. Eric, the lineup yesterday was uh, a little bit of a shake-up, wasn't it? Because for the first time in months now, feels like, um, Andy Carroll didn't start. We started with Kelvin E. Habishman. I've actually been told that's how your na- his name is pronounced, E. Habishman. Um so he started up front with Lucas Zhao and we played a 4-4-2 and it was just completely different to how it feels like we've been playing for the last six months. Yeah, there was a, a lot of reaction on Twitter when the team news came out and in all the group chats and everything. Uh, lots of people saying four at the back with hearty-eyed emojis, etc. And it did prove to be the way we lined up. I wasn't quite sure when I first saw it what formation um, because some people thought we might do four three three, which is what I think Noel Hunt's been playing with the youth uh, with the youth side, 
but it was more like a 442 wasn't it and um yeah i was excited to see how the 442 would work out because you never know with a new system new manager anything can happen um but yeah it was good and they did line up with some youth inside Callum, I mean, I'm not quite sure if we can really like a call, you know, Aziz and Nesta Guinness Walker youth, but they're the younger players. Um, and then we did obviously have a bench full of under 21 players who Noel Hunt's been working with for the past year now. Yeah, and, it, and it's great to see because look, we're not going to say these players are the best players to ever grace the earth. They might not go on to have, like, they might not be Michael Elise, that kind of level, but we're at the bottom of the championship and they can absolutely do a job, help us out. And if it turns out that they have a great time and next season they get to the, the first team properly and have you know, start 20, 30 games, that is exactly what you want from the new system. And especially when you've got this kind of, I, I don't think it's that bad of an injury crisis, but you know, there's a few injuries out. You've got to be able to rely on these players. And obviously with Noel Hunt, having managed them so much, it was an easy in. And it was just, it, again, it's something that the crowd got really behind. You know, you can see players like, you know, like Kamara coming on, a braver, who, you know, even if they didn't, you know, they just did, they played their part. And that's all they have to do is just play their part. Yeah, we've got a clip from Noel Hunt talking about everybody uh, playing their part yesterday and paid a quick listen to that. Oh, I was so proud. I was so proud. Um, every man to a tee from the starting boys to the ones that didn't get on. You know, Scotty Dan sitting there giving advice, talking through it. I, I was so proud. Uh, the performance, yeah, we want to attack more. Um, but we have to give them respect. They're, they're, they're going to be crowned champions in probably five, six days' time. It's one of the one of the things you could see yesterday, especially at the end of the game, Callum, was the way that Hunt had the whole team. It felt very together. And for the first time in ages after the game, the whole team wandered around, I think, the majority of the ground to clap the fans. Normally, yes, the you know, squad do come over, clap the southeast corner. But it, for the first time in ages, it did feel like they wandered up the east stand towards the Yemen Dolan and, you know, applaud what was a, a large crowd. I think it was 19,500 there yesterday. So it, it felt like they appreciated the support and you could see Noel Hunt's kind of, as he said, pride within the squad. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the best atmospheres we've had with JC for a while. Um, and it was just delightful to see to have, to hear a manager that loves to be here. I mean, we all said Paul Lentz acted as if it, it was running was below him. You know, it's just, he never came up with the fans, stuff, stuff like that. And it's the small things that like the easy PR wins that Paul never did. But no one, you know, he might have been here for five games, but he absolutely loves being here. Obviously, he's got his shit reading and he's going to, you know, as fans, he's so invested in keeping us up. Whereas all we were hearing from Paul Lentz was, oh, we've got a point deduction, as if, if we went down, he wouldn't be that bothered because he could say it wasn't his fault. You know, he would have kept us up without the minus six points. There was no mention of that from Noel Hunt yesterday, just the pride he had in the players. And it was, yeah, it's lovely to hear. One of the things he did mention in his interview afterwards, Eric, was about the 106 record and how much it means to the club and the town and the fans and, and you know, how much of a motivating force it was for the players. And they were all behind that yesterday. Obviously, with the nil-nil draw, Burnley can't beat that now. So... That was really, really good to hear. And I'm guessing some of that came over, came across from the crowd at the end of the game as well. Yeah, for sure. You could hear, I watched it obviously on, on a stream um, and it, you could just hear that it, it, it sounded different to what it usually did. And I think the big difference is um, Noel Hunt's got that connection with the club, right? He was here, he was loved as a player. 
he he knows about the record because it, he was here just after we we broke that record and uh he he understands you know his brother was in the side um he understands what it means to the fans in the place paul ince didn't really seem to care i think the one big difference for me was paul ince has spent most weeks now talking about we don't have the quality we don't have the quality we don't have the quality no wonder the players start believing that if you hear that every week from your manager all i heard from noel hunt yesterday was praise and that was the big difference and you, you'd much rather have a manager with a bit of optimism a bit of positivity not saying oh they were out on their feet we haven't got the quality because that gets repetitive and boring and clearly um noel hunt has uh, has produced a result with only four days of of training uh, against the champions so uh, yeah, one nil to Noel Hunt against Paul Ince, <laughs> as, as far as that goes. Not sure it's worth three points, unfortunately, which would have really helped. But uh, yeah, no, one point is one point from the actual game is is, is just not quite as good, but close. Uh, let's move on yeah. to the game itself. And I felt I felt that Reading started quite well yesterday. It didn't feel like Burnley were on top particularly. Uh, Callum, I think like, the first major chance that I can really remember is Burnley having the one-on-one where Benson gets played in. Kind of the ball goes over the top to Benson and he gets played in and Lumley makes a reasonably decent save. But other than that, I don't think Burnley created a whole ton of chances early on in the game. No, I don't, I don't think they did either. Um, and it, I think that Benson one was because, I mean, because the way Burnley play with their wingers, they're so wide that they start touchline, which means that they're always in space because Gibbs Walker can't mark him that far wide. So I think that one time Benson made the inside run, it took him by surprise, which it happens. As Noel Hunt said beforehand, that mistakes will happen, and that's okay. We've just got to deal with it. Yeah, good save from Lumley. Um, like, like you said, I don't think there were many that many chances because I think we we were we were pending a bit in the first half. It's they had a lot of ball, obviously, because they're Burnley, they're very good. But we weren't completely sat off like we have done so many times this season. It was still engaging them, 30, 40 yards from our goal, which meant they weren't kind of tapping it around the edge of the box and getting in behind so easily. Um, which I think was a, was major change I saw and especially just having uh, Kelvin in the front two as well meant that we could press even if it's 30 40 yards from, from our own goal they can't just walk around him like they would with, with Andy Carroll yeah it very much kind of we we basically you know asked Burnley to beat us by playing through us and they really they struggled I think Eric they, they didn't really have the uh necessary quality and, and one of the things that we discussed yesterday was that it felt like they were missing a they were missing a focal point to, to play into because so often as Callum said their their wingers were playing so wide that once the ball went wide it felt like there was almost nowhere to go with it because there was, there was very rarely especially in the first half anybody central for them to be looking at yeah they, they could have actually done with an Ashley Barnes from the start couldn't they I think they 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 didn't really um seem to have too too much of a clue on how to break us down but again it comes down to our formation and organization right like i think the ball over the top for benson was maybe the only mistake that sar and nesta guinness walker might have made all game they, they were pretty solid but 4-4-2 you have like the, the the two banks and then to, to break that down you need to either have a mistake or some bit of genius and they couldn't find that uh luckily for us one thing that you were mentioning callum is obviously with guinness walker and trying to mark out Benson from the game. And I think Guinness Walker had a really good game yesterday. Um, Benson, I will say, is a winger who does not have a right foot, which probably helped Guinness Walker quite a lot because it felt like every move that Benson did was to cut back in on his left foot, which maybe is a little bit predictable for Guinness Walker to defend by, you know, 60 minutes into the game. But 
I don't really remember Guinness Walker really ever being beaten particularly. Yeah, I think, I think it was maybe once in the second half where he did him on the touchline. And I think pretty soon after Hunt subbed him off, not not in a bad way to say, oh, you've just been beaten, but in a, look, we've got a lot of subs. We've got Mbengi, come on, play left back. It makes sense to kind of get a bit more energy in that slot. And yeah, and again, we've been told all season that Guinness Walker can't play left back in a full back. Like nonstop, we've been told that by the selections, by what Pontus has said. And I, yeah, again, I think he did fine. I think he, him and Yedon were really the cornerstone of the performance. And even the understanding that Guinness Walker had with Tyrese Fauna, because you had Connor Roberts at right back, kept drifting into centre mid, because they obviously they do the thing and build up where the fullback comes inside. And Fauna was really good at knowing when to track Roberts into midfield to go a bit more narrow and stop the easy build up, while also kind of helping Guinness Walker out on his side when you know, Scott Twine went wide or or Roberts went wide. And I think the most impressive thing about Noel Hunt is that he's he managed to get all that into the players in four days. Like this is a really tough, tough assignment against Burnley, who are the best team in the league by a long way. And he got them tracking their runners, just and knowing where to be positionally all game. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, certainly in the first half I noticed is the, the organisation, Eric. It looks night and day from what we've seen for the last few months. Um, Monday, when we we went to Preston, and it was one of the uh, like most obvious things, especially in the first half, was we had absolutely no idea as a midfield where we should be, where we should be playing, who we should be tracking, where we should be when we've got the ball, where we should be when the opposition have the ball. And then yesterday, it felt completely different. It felt like they knew what their role was. Each you know each player knew what they should be doing when we had the ball when when Burnley had the ball and it felt organized yeah it's super impressive like Adam says you know to do that in four days is in it's incredible right and you think um that out of the like the the Reading's best players in the game you probably call out Guinness Walker Yeardom I think Naby Sarr had his best game for Reading that he's had and Lumley had a good game in goal although not that much to do other than that save but it was a good save so you could tell that the organisation was there and there was no confusion. There was the odd kind of slight mix-up perhaps between, but we managed to to then throw our bodies on the line and that shows a desire, which is the other part that Noel Hunt has brought. Other than organisation, it was the motivation which we talked about. So, yeah, super encouraging. And you just have to hope that it's uh, something that we can keep going now in the, in the running because we're going to need it. Yeah, I mean, if you can produce that kind of organisation in four days, hopefully, you know, getting a full week before we play those, you know, key games against Wigan and, and Huddersfield at the end of the season, fingers crossed that Hunt can Hunt can produce some kind of, you know, more organisation and more game plan towards those games than we might have expected otherwise. I, I think going forwards yesterday, we, were, we weren't perfect, let's be honest here. Like, yesterday was great. It was a very, very encouraging performance. We weren't perfect. Um and going forwards, we didn't create a whole ton of chances. But I think one player who was especially dangerous, and it seems really disappointing that we haven't seen more of this season, Eric, is Aziz. Um, from corners, especially Burnley corners on the break, he, he looked really dangerous. Um, and, you know, his runs over and us releasing the pass from from their corners were really dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing to see some wide players with pace right, in the team. It feels like we haven't had that in a in a long time. So, yeah, Aziz, I think he was probably our, our biggest threat. Um, and you just have to hope that we can give him a little bit of, of more more game time to get him some 
I suppose, match sharpness. Because the one thing you would say is that when he, he had a couple of chances and both times sort of snatched at them a little bit, and that was probably telling. Um, but yeah, sh sh certainly encouraging um, to see that we, we do have him in the side as a, as a potential threat on the counter-attack through his pace. I think he's real. He's, he had two real chances, didn't he, Callum? He had a kind of a pot shot from about twenty yards, which Aziz seems to love these kind of long distance, long distance efforts on his left foot. I'm not sure he's actually nestled one in in the goal yet, but maybe at some point. Um, and the break from in the second half um, when when Zhao set him free, and it it looked like he was going to be one on one, but he didn't quite manage to get the shot away. I think that that second one especially was probably our biggest moment of the game. Yeah, um, it was a great, great build-up from all in the works. But, I mean, even had Carroll laying off to Zhao, and Zhao kind of uh, still managed to get it past the defender into Aziz. Great work. And I think that's what, as again, something that no one's drilled into them, is that attacking fast, you know, moving vertically in the pitch really quickly. This is something that was a staple of his under-21s team, was at least getting the ball from back to front very quickly. That doesn't mean counter-attacking every time, but just going... And when people say direct, people think kind of long ball, but not that as much, but just kind of moving vertically with you know, quick passes. But yeah, it's one of those where, yeah, Aziz, I wouldn't say he fluffed it up. There was just, he was outnumbered, I think it was two to one. And he's not been in that situation enough this season. To... It's, probably, it's probably one of his weakest aspects of his game is his decision making. He's sometimes a little bit suspect, I think. Yeah, and it's maybe one where just like, if he just, if we play him more and he gets in that position, once, twice every game, he'll get better at it. And he's still still young and he's had a lot of problems with injury. So I'm again I'm very willing to give him the time to improve that. And also even just in the first half where uh Lumley set away from <laughs> when he'd caught a corner, a Bernie corner, he set as easy away. Just little things like the rest of the team were, were almost too far behind the play, but when the ball came in eventually, kind of across the face goal, Norm was there. And I can just put that down to that we're not accustomed to attacking fast. Like when when Lumley's got the ball, I don't think Zhao and Kelvin are thinking, all right, I need to be in the box in ten seconds' time to get a tap in. And again, it's a little couple of time, but Burnley are a great team. It's it signs it is enough for now. Yeah, I mean that the one the one that you discussed there about Aziz putting the ball across the box after a Burnley corner, and that was the one where I was like, if Aziz couldn't, if you can just you know, teach it, teach it into Aziz there. If he can hold the ball up for, you know, an extra second, an extra two seconds, you're going to have three men in the box. They weren't that far away. Um, but clearly, like, it, as you say, they're not used to necessarily attacking that quickly. It wasn't quite there yet. Um, and Noel Hunt, you know, really, he had a, he was really upset with, um, with, with Kelvin at one point in the, uh, I think it was in the early in the second half where he didn't make a run. Lumley, you know, claimed the ball, I think, from a, from a cross or a corner, and he was desperate for Kelvin to make a run in behind the defence. And you can see that Nolan wants his players to, to move quickly, make runs, um, and, and try and attack, you know, as you say, up the pitch fast, um, which just feels completely different to, to what we've been doing, where we've, you know, let teams settle back into their own, own rhythm, own formation all the time. Yeah, and it's super telling, right? Like, if you think about the two most successful Reading teams ever, the two championship winning sides, what was the thing that we did really well? Well, it was direct vertical, moving the ball vertically very fast. That's yeah, what both get, teams did really well. Get the ball wide, get the ball wide quick and, and push forwards, right? That's what it was. It was never, it was never a yeah. case of trying to keep the ball and, and, and 
you know, create chances through opposition mistakes. It was always prey on prey on your own strength or use your own strengths before preying on their mistakes, as it were. Exactly. Um, second, and we don't have the quality half. that those teams have. We don't have the same quality in this squad, or obviously. But what we do have is is at least the intent, which is the start. And like you said, if you can train that into Aziz to just have a little bit more composure, or it might be match sharpness, uh, then yeah, signs are positive. Yeah, I think definitely his match sharpness is probably part of it because he did he does come off in the second half after about I think it's about seventy minutes or so. Um, I guess it's a good opportunity for us to discuss the substitutions. Uh, as you said earlier, Callum, we saw the first sign of Kamara. I think this might be his first appearance this season, actually. Um, Kelvin Abrifa came on as well. And at one point, I think Kelvin Abrifa was playing left midfield when he first yeah. came on, um, which was interesting. I didn't didn't quite know what to make of that. And uh, we also saw him Bengwe come on at left back. I feel like I was... There was a little bit of nerves in me. I wasn't especially nervous yesterday during the game, but after we made those subs, I was a little bit nervous for five minutes or so, just until they kind of made the second second group of substitutions and we saw a briefer come over to the right-hand side. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, without going back on the, on the ground, I think the Carroll sub was a bit too early because it was about 60 minutes, it was about half an hour to go. And there was a bit of time, I agree, where Burnley... Press the issue a bit more because it was just less pressing from us because Andy Carroll can't do that. It also limits our ability to do what we just said to attack fast on the counter. Not only because Andy Carroll's not very mobile, but the positions he moves into, he like he drifts to like left mid on the touchline or he drifts to right mid. He doesn't stay where he should be up front to to link with Zhao. Um, but I still on the whole, I still think the subs were really handy. It was again, Paulins would not have used those youth players because he hasn't all season. He's only subbed on a break for when a has been injured or and he hasn't used Kamara at all. So to have those players come on just for the energy, it was it was a great little kept the intensity up of the team. And even till the like added time, we were still pressing, we were still going after, we weren't sat in our own box waiting for Burnley to score. Yeah, I think the fresh legs thing is is definitely important. It was one of those things that Noel Hunt discussed in his interview afterwards, Eric, around, you know, you've got players who've played Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Monday. This season, they've played lots of games. Why would you not want to freshen that up with the at the end of the season here with you know players who have the potential to be able to go on and, and be first teamers? It, it makes yeah, perfect exactly. bringing these players on, you know, with with half an hour to go in games, twenty minutes to go. Yeah, and how often did you hear Paul Lynn say, "Oh, they're out on their feet. They're out on their feet." Yet he wouldn't do anything about it, and it's like it just sounds like stupidity now. But in hindsight, right? you just go, "Well, if you keep moaning about the tired legs, then do something about it." And the first thing Hunt yeah, yeah. has done in his first game is to put some youthful legs in there, and it showed a difference. We 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 managed to hang on in there. I think they had one big chance towards the end with about 15 to go or so. But other than that, again, they weren't super threatening. We weren't under the cosh fighting for our lives at the end. We were actually kind of 50-50 also trying to push forward uh, at some stage, trying to trying to get a winner. And that's the big difference there, right? You've got um, a manager who's complained about the tired legs all season, but he's not done anything to change it. And then you have a new manager who's changed it straight away within four days. And that's quite telling yeah, you, you mentioned that big chance. I think it came with maybe 15, 15 to 20 minutes to go. Um, there was a cross from the right-hand side from uh, Benson, actually. 
uh, who, you know, I've said has had got no right foot, but he's put a cross in. I think it's off his right foot. Uh, falls to Cherlinov in the box. And he's, Yeardom has kind of rushed out to meet him. And he's managed to like poke it past Yeardom into, into some space. About 10 yards out, I think, Eric. And I think he probably should be doing much better here. Um, I think if I was a Burnley fan, I'd be quite frustrated that he's managed to just smash this one wide and over at the same time because it's a it's probably the biggest chance of the game. Yeah. And I think we you know, at this point in the season you take any bit of luck that you can get. And we sort of said before we started recording that Nathan Teller going off for them was was fortunate for us. And I think that's probably the difference. If it wasn't Cherlinov and it was Teller the outcome might well have been different. But that's the little bit of luck that we'll take. We've also had bad luck throughout the season. So when the good fortune comes, um, it was the biggest chance and it was the chance that probably would have ended the game. Uh, but we'll we'll take it all day long and uh, more, of the, more of that bit of luck to come, please, as, as, we, uh, as we go into the running. Yeah, that Teller injury, I definitely think made a, a big difference to how Aziz could play as well, Callum, in the first half, because it just meant that he could play higher forwards. There was just less need for him to be tracking back on that right-hand side. Yeah, exactly. And he was a, he's the, the top goal scorer. He's a clear threat in behind Yudom. And obviously, I don't think Benson provides the same threat. Because Benson's more kind of the, the ball-to-feet winger and Teller's more the running in behind, which is usually a nice balance. But obviously, when they didn't have Teller, it's it's an issue. Um, and I just think in general, I, I don't know if Burnley were resting a few players, but they had maybe a few injuries because there's no Harwood Bellis either. I think they switched the keepers as well. Like we mentioned, Ashley Barnes wasn't playing and Lyle Foster was, who's not really done much this season. So it was, there was no Matson either, Charlie Taylor. So just little things like that, you take it, you know, we're playing Burnley when they've already been promoted. You take it, but it's, I mean, we weren't at full strength either, no mate, et cetera. Like, so, so we're not saying it's, it was the perfect performance ever against the full strength Burnley team. We take the point. We take the point. We move. I think one of the, um, you know, one of the one of the other pieces of fortune, obviously, was that Sheffield United had beaten Cardiff earlier in the day, and it meant that Burnley couldn't win the league yesterday, and it meant their fans were extremely flat. There was no noise from the Burnley fans whatsoever, and I get it to an extent because if you've come down to Reading, you're expecting to win, and you've got to 60 minutes and it's nil nil, you can't win the league. It probably does feel a little bit flat, but um, I'm not gonna not gonna complain too much from that from a Reading perspective because the atmosphere in the Reading end was really really good, and I think if we look at the rest of the ga- games from yesterday in the running, because at this point we kind of have to, unfortunately, um, everything kind of fell our way really yesterday, Eric. Yeah, I was keeping an eye on it as I was watching the game. I was keeping a close eye on flash scores on the other sides, looking at QPR, Rotherham and Huddersfield and they all lost so it was good from that point of view the only one was Blackpool that won but they did beat Wigan so Wigan are pretty much done for now and you'd say even Blackpool struggled to get into it potentially um but yeah it was it was almost a perfect day and like to to Callum's point it wasn't we're not saying it was a perfect performance against the full strength Burnley side but we didn't need it to be and I think the obvious question to ask is would we have got a nil-nil draw with Paul Ince in charge, I'm not. I'm not convinced we would. Um, so that's why we'll take it. That's why we're feeling a lot more optimistic on this podcast compared to previous weeks. Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly convinced we wouldn't have got a nil-nil draw if Paul Ince had been in charge. In all honesty, I've kept the clean sheet in 20 games. 
and then we have yeah, against I, the champions. You, you'll take yeah, it. Yeah, and that was was that December, right? I think it was the Coventry game, the first game back after the World Cup. That was over four months ago, and and yet he set us up defensively every game, and we never kept a clean sheet. It just shows that it's not all about staying on, on your own box. Yeah, I was going to say, one of the things about yesterday is that even though we've kept a clean sheet against Burnley, it's not because we've sat there and defended our box for 90 minutes and, and parked the bus against them. I don't think that's what we did yesterday. We did look to try and break against them. We looked to try and go forwards. Did we do it that successfully? No, not every time. But we didn't defend as if it was, you know, a point was the only thing which we could ever do yesterday. We did feel like we had a plan to try and win the game. Um, and we've almost kept a clean sheet because we haven't just sat and defended yesterday, Gallum. Yeah, exactly. And there's, we, we've we've all suffered through games like Cardiff away, Sunderland away, where we've set up to get a nil-nil or to try and get a nil-nil. And we haven't, because if you let one team attack for the whole game, you cannot complain if they score. And obviously, if you set up to defend the whole game, you're not going to score either. So the only outcome is, it's not going to finish nil-nil, or you lose one-nil. And all for the last four months, we've lost those those games. So yeah, just because keeping Aziz on a threat, keeping two up front, it kept Burnley honest. It meant that they couldn't just pen in. You know, they, they were having to think about the counter-attack, thinking about, you know, stopping Zhao from linking. Just little things like that. Attack's the best form of defence. You know, have your own threat and then Burnley won't be able to kind of do what they want to do. One of the, uh, one of the things I, I, I really think is, you know, complete completely different from a week ago Eric fan belief is there now like the reaction afterwards we drew nil nil at home to Burnley we didn't even win the game yesterday and the fan belief just seems to have gone from zero to to a well maybe not 100 but it's you know people believe all of a sudden that you know we can get out of the relegation zone and that we can finish above you know QPR or Cardiff and I feel like people yeah there just seems to be much more hope all of a sudden right on the back of that performance yesterday yeah, exactly that. I don't know, obviously, what it felt like in the ground. I'll let Callum comment on that. But um, I said, I think in our group chat, Alex, that I've, <laughs> I've never felt so good about a nil-nil draw where we've not had a shot on target. Uh, it's it, felt, it feels like we've won like a cup quarter final or something. Um, but it is just that belief and the switch in belief because we've been able to keep a clean sheet. We've actually had a few half chances. Uh, we've not just looked like we were desperately defending the whole game. We've tried to be a bit more positive and... Uh, obviously, the the attendance yesterday was was awesome, right? It was the, the best it's been in a long while, and I think that hopefully also played a part. It just meant that we could feel a little bit more optimistic. And what 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 did it feel like in the ground? Because I mean, it sounded amazing on the sounded amazing on the stream. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the best it's been in a long time. Th those injury time minutes when it was plus six, it wasn't like. I mean, it, there was groans, of course, but then the fans got behind the team as they were pressing, pressing, pressing. Because we, like, like, like I said before, we didn't sit on the end of our own box and just let them pile crosses in. We were going after them, and and the, the celebration at full time. We said, look, no one came over. All the players came over. They went round round the stadium. It's such a, it's a small change. It's a massive change. Just changing the manager. But it's, I mean, because you think about, and the idea is that this game it wasn't a free hit, but it was our toughest game left by a long way. It's the only team in the league. And everybody's, said, everybody's been saying all week as well, Callum, how. I don't mind if we lose against Burnley as long as we put in a performance and we fight against them. I don't like. I don't expect us to get anything from Burnley, and yet actually we've put in a performance and we've got something. So it's it like it's it's a bonus for nearly everybody who everybody who's been commenting on the game this week. 
Right, exactly. And and the fact that we, we've gained with that point on QPR, on Cardiff, on Rotherham, even on like Wigan, you know, while while having our hardest game and they had, you know, not easy games, but easier games. So yeah, and I mean, the true test will be Wednesday and the rest of the games when we play against quote unquote easier opponents because we do have to win probably two games at some point. So it'll be interesting to see what the team does with more possession and more ability to attack against teams like Luton who, who will let us have the ball. I mean, they're not an easy team. Obviously, they've got their 10 games unbeaten, but we will have more of the ball. And it'll be really interesting to see how uh, what Hunt's got planned for in possession. Yeah, the next four games, obviously, we've still got Luton, Coventry, and then the big two right there at the very end, Wigan and Huddersfield. And I, I, I think, I mean, Callum says two games... I think we need probably five points. Eric, what do you think you, Reading needs to get in those last four? Yeah, it's super hard to tell, isn't it? Because QPR are absolutely crumbling. <laughs> they haven't picked up. They haven't had a new manager bounce under Ainsworth at all. Um, There's a so we might count down, wasn't it? Let's be honest with QPR. I think they've picked up one win from, yeah. is it 10 or 11 with get Ainsworth now? Yeah, and Neil Warnock, obviously, they've had their new manager bounce with a couple of results, but then they lost yesterday. So that might have kind of worn off a little bit as well, hopefully. Um, so you never know. We might only need one more win, potentially. Uh, I would, <laughs> I'd love us to do that as soon as possible, but uh, I've got a feeling it's going to come down to those last two games. Which is terrifying. I do not want to have to go to Huddersfield on a straight for four hours and know that we need to win because, you know, Neil Warnock would... Even if, even if Huddersfield is safe, they're not going to take it easy because, you know, why would they? So I, flashbacks I don't want that at all. Flashbacks of the playoff final, flashbacks of Neil Warnock battling us across the years. It's just yeah, set up I mean, to be the decider. Yeah, even that um, that Cardiff away game on the last, I think it was under Paul Clement, I think that was away at Neil Warnock's team. And that was previously, I think, the best Neil Neil we've had as a club because I kept us up. This might overtake it if we survive five point. This that one yesterday against Burnley. My my only hope is that we're going to go to play a Neil Warnock side, as you say, similar to that Cardiff game, and it gets to the last ten minutes. We need a point, and Neil Warnock and uh, Noel Hunt both just kind of like wipe their hands, tell the players not doing anything, and the players just knock it around like they did the Cardiff game for the last ten minutes. That would be the the perfect scenario for me. Yeah, although, although it wouldn't. I mean, even yesterday, the stress levels. The whole game, I, I did not enjoy it at all because you're just like everything feels so real now because we've only got four games left and we're still in the relegation zone, so we still need to be the ones to provide the impetus to get out. And also the fact that we're all kind of just imagining we beat Burnley as Wigan, sorry, which we need to obviously if we stay up because it's the easiest game, they should be relegated by then. But it's, it's not a gimme, we still have to go up there and win that game, yeah, so yeah. Still- you still got to pick up the points, right? Unfortunately, that we're still we are still in the relegation zone for all the positivity. We are still in the bottom three at the minute, but we're still in a, in a desperate state. We're in an absolute desperate state. It's not a nice place to be. We're probably closer to relegation now than we ever we ever were. I don't know. Might might be arguing with some of the previous seasons, but it's it's definitely not all sunshine and rainbows. And it's not the perfect scenario for me, Alex. The perfect scenario is we win the next two, and we're safe with those two two games to go. <laughs> But then the chances of that happening are also quite slim. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it, it's more around that it's, it's all vibes and um, 
you know, vibes and feeling. That's the that's kind of the main thing to come out at the moment. It, it just feels a very very different, um, I guess, a different club almost. It's a yeah. it, it it feels like hyperbole to say it's a completely different club and a completely different atmosphere. But that it genuinely did feel very very different yesterday. Oh, completely. Um, I think we'd all. I almost I was was getting to the point where I thought Paul Lynch just wasn't going to get sacked this season because they left it so late. I thought they were just going to keep him whatever happened to the to the summer. And if that happened, I think we were down because it wasn't getting any worse. You know, there was uh, some kind of national media people have said that you know Paul Lynch started so well that and you know he would have we wouldn't be in the relegation zone if there wasn't the, the points deduction, so we didn't deserve to be sacked. And I was like, well. And then people would do the thing where they go, well, if he'd started really badly and done better now, he wouldn't have been sacked. And I was like, well, yeah, obviously, yes. <laughs> the recent form is the most important form. The, the fact is, we're, we're in the relegation zone. The fact is, our form has been some of the worst in the league, barring QPR. Just have anything to latch onto is, is amazing. And Noel Hunt is that. Here's, here's the hope. It does show, though, it's interesting how disconnected the national media can be sometimes from the actual situation that's going on. There was a lot of different commentators that were actually backing in. And anybody that's a little bit closer to the club or any fan of the club could see it's just been desperate for a number of months now. And the national media just haven't got that level of insight. And you could really tell. Or even just anybody who's been paying attention. I think... Um, pocket. Sam Parkin was one of the very few pundits who basically said, yeah, Inns kind of deserves to go. Like, they've played yeah, terrible yeah. football. Yeah, um, he's like, I watched them at Cardiff, I watched them at Sunderland, when they did awfully against not great teams, and we set up to, to lose. Yeah, and then that's, that's unforgivable. That's just purely unforgivable. There's no, even, no matter how bad your team is, no matter how you know, many injuries you've got, you cannot be as negative, both on the pitch and in you know, press conferences, as Paulus was. And expect to keep the job. There was a very good quote as you as you were talking about Eric with the national media. Um, there was a radio clip from from Talk Sport. I can't remember who the presenter is on Talk Sport, but it, there was a, a presenter who basically said, oh, "I think it's kind of harsh." I watched I watched um, them play at Man United a few weeks ago, and they were all right. And I was like, "Well, a we played at Man United at the end of January, almost four months ago, and b that was the game where our striker got so frustrated that he hadn't touched the ball, he got himself sent off. We were three 0 down, and our first shot on target came after seventy-five minutes. We was that Darren that Ambrose? I think was it Darren Ambrose. Ambrose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it was absolutely <laughs> clueless. Clueless. <laughs> and, yeah. and also, yeah, that was against Man United, but we've also played the exact same way against teams around us, like Cardiff. Like, you know, yeah, we've been beaten worse by like, teams like Middlesbrough. Like, it's yeah, I, I don't, I don't get these people. Let's let's not let's not dwell on dwell on the the ints past and uh, you know we can we can look forward to a hopefully brighter you know four games coming up here. Let let's get a quick score prediction, Eric. Luton on Wednesday it is going to be a tough game, as Callum said. They're ten games unbeaten, and they are third. They did pretty much cement their playoff place yesterday. I don't think that they're going to be able to catch Sheffield United. They're five points behind. They've played a game more. They're what twelve points clear of Coventry, who are in seventh place. I think that their playoff place is pretty much confirmed at this point. Yeah. Maybe I, I'm I'm clinging on to some hope here, but maybe they rest players on Wednesday. What's your score prediction going to be? I don't think they rest players. I think they'll push until they're mathematically unable to reach second. Um, 
But uh, let's go for a nil-nil draw again. <laughs> boring, boring Reading. Let's stay up by nil-nil uh, draws. I'll take that all day long. So let's go with that. If we stay up with five clean sheets in a row, I'll be, you know, delighted. That would be fantastic. Considering how, many, yeah. Yeah, considering how long it's been since we've had a clean sheet, five in a row would be brilliant. Callum, are you, are you going to go for a nil-nil or do you expect it to be a goal somewhere? No, I actually might also go for a nil-nil. Because annoyingly, Luton are much better away from home than they are at home. But they're not. When I mean, you look at their recent scores, it's all like it's, it's binary numbers. It's one nils, nil nils, two nils. Not a binary number, but you get what I mean. They're not a high scoring team and they don't concede many either. So it will be tense the entire game. If we can get, like I said, just I think one win out of Coventry, Luton, and Huddersfield, assuming that we, we then win Wigan, should be enough. So I'd like to see us go out and attack the game. And I think we will under Hunt because, like I said, you've got to win one of those games. So go for all of them and, and you've got the best chance. But I will also go nil-nil. Oh, I'm going to go I'm going to go for Reading to win. Has It's been a little while. I think, we've, what, what is it, nine games now we haven't won four. But I'm going to go for a win. I'm going to go one-nil. I, I can see us keeping a clean sheet again. I, I agree with you, Callum. I don't... Luton aren't a high-scoring team. They are a good team, but they're not a high-scoring team. Um, and ultimately, I think they're just a very efficient team. And if we can, you know, not to drag them down to our level as such, but if we can just kind of shut up shop against them um, and we score first, I'm hoping that the crowd might be able to, you know, just drag drag us towards a win um, with some new tactics from, from Noel Hunt. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, we will be back with a, a Luton preview, by the way, before the Luton game. Um, you know, every game at the end of the season becomes massive. So, you know, we're providing the content here. And we will be back on probably Monday with a preview podcast. And make sure that you check that one out. But we'll, if you've enjoyed today's podcast, drop us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple. Podcasts, uh, a review is always appreciated. Make sure you check out Callum and the rest of the group uh, on Reading Between the Lines. We'll be back after the looting game as well with a roundup of that. Hopefully, Noel Hunt's first win and Reading outside the relegation zone. And until then, have a great week, everybody. Cheers.